Welcome to the Niche Agency Podcast, where we delve into the journey of owners who have gone from saying yes to everyone in every project to thriving industry leaders and authorities. Here's your host, Ryan McGovern. Hello, and welcome. For those of you that don't know me yet, I'm Ryan McGovern. I'm currently the Director of Sales and Marketing at SEO Brothers. Part of that, I own a few agencies of my own. I've sold millions of dollars of digital services and helped tons of agencies grow. Joining me today is our guest, Michael Wolk, and CEO and founder of Trimline. Michael, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. So this falls into our category of tool time, I think, but I want to split it up into two different segments. First, I want to hear about your journey as a professional, as an entrepreneur, and then we can get into what Trimline does exactly and how you help people. So with that being said, take it away, Michael. Give us the story. Yeah. Not just Trimline, but your professional journey. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The entrepreneurial journey probably started at university. I had a a, a t-shirt company with a few close friends that I grew up with in my area. And we launched that and grew that and kind of had a bunch of stores around Sydney, the city that I'm in here in Australia. And that was a really, really cool experience working with friends, kind of getting that first taste of having to hustle, having to sell, trying trying to turn $1 into two. Yeah. Were you guys doing designs in-house? Yeah. 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 We were. We were. We were a very niche brand. We were focused on the graffiti market, which is, you know, kind of like street art, I guess you'd call it maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A bit more PC. Um, So very, very specific target market. And some of my friends were in that world. So we had designs that kind of spoke to that audience, which was cool. I love that. Is it still alive and well today? It's not. It's not. It, well, both oh. of those two friends of both ones now running an agency in the UK. The other one's an amazing animator. He does work for oh my you know, big American company. So everyone's gone on to great things, but it was a cool experience to start. So awesome. Got the bug there. And like a lot of people who want to be in business, air quotes, but don't know where to start, I got an accounting degree at uni. Sure. That was kind of boring, but part of it, parts of it were interesting. And then got a job as an auditor at Ernst Young. But all the time I was doing that, that kind of study and working through to my professional kind of where my career has gone, I was also mm-hmm. doing short films and producing films and stuff. So I had a bit oh of gosh. a create, creative side on the side as well and ended up taking six months off before I joined Ernst Young as an auditor and did a filmmaking course and for a while worked at production companies and stuff and produce my own shorts. So I really kind of had one, oh foot in, one foot in the creative world, yeah. one foot in the business In the business world. world? Yeah. yeah. Forgive my ignorance, but what does it mean to be an auditor? An auditor for what exactly? So yeah. So I was working at EY as an auditor. That was my first official job out of my accounting degree. We would go into big listed companies here in Australia and we'd say, oh, hey, I see. Yeah, okay. hey, show us your financials. Yeah. We sign that. off if they're accurate yeah. or not. Speaking to Ooh, a bunch of grumpy you're accounting. The, you're the big, yeah. the big bad wolf who's walking in the door, huh? Like, oh, they, all, they always send the fresh-faced graduates, you know? They're like, <laughs> hey, go get the junior to ask the hard questions. Yeah, yeah, right? Okay, so you went from t-shirt company to auditor, one foot in business world, one foot in creative world. Correct. Then what? And then I, I made the move over to London, worked at production company full-time for a little while, first in the finance department, but then in the production department, had a couple of roles on set. When I came back to Sydney, I 
kind of worked like in big feature films. I worked on Unbroken, which is a film Angelina Jolie directed. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. I and, love that movie. Yeah, then I worked back in the accounting department on Alien Covenant, which is a Ridley Scott-directed one here in Sydney. So yep, yep. Was awesome. the, I love that movie, yeah. Ended up trying to combine the creative with the business, you know, like kind of those two worlds met. Instead of me just doing my shorts on the side and accounting for a job, I tried to make it work as one career path. But it was the life of someone who works in production. It is long hours. You don't have a lot of control over your time. You don't have a lot of control over negotiating your pay. You kind of okay. just, you just got to take a role that's available and be grateful for it almost. That's, sure. kind, of the, that's kind of the mindset of these big sure. American studios who come out and hire people. And I didn't want that. So I went and joined another production company in the finance department here in Sydney before finally making the move into small business. And I kind of got into that world over kind of almost coming out for 10 years ago. I started a company called Bee Ninjas. And that was a move to give me more purpose, to give me more freedom and to work with a founder, Meryl, who I really admired and to kind of soak up all of her kind of knowledge and skills and and that's, that's when I made the move into small business because I was looking for something with a bit more purpose. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be sure. helping smaller businesses, which was I had a more direct connection to the founder. I could see what my work was doing rather than big corporations where you're just doing a bunch of consolidations and sending it off to a head company and everyone's just trying to avoid taxes and you're just a number. Like I, I didn't feel a lot of purpose in that purpose. role. So Yeah, sure. And, which has led me down the path of helping small businesses and now been doing that for a while and launched my own shop in January in 2020. So about four years ago, it's kind of started my own brand in the market and have been doing that as advisory for full time for the past four. So financial advisory for the past four years for SMBs. Yeah, yeah. So specifically for agencies, correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can see the path here because I've, I still want to work with creatives. I still love dealing with those kind of peoples, which is why agencies yeah. are big part of what I do because I do have that DNA there of dealing with people like that and I enjoy that world. Yeah, so, yeah. I was going to say you must have some sort of attraction to like the video production, videography, photography sort of world, I would imagine, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I still kind of still film occasional little things. If I go on a trail run or go sailing with my brother, I still kind of, I like filming and editing, just the pure reasons behind doing that stuff the creativity that comes with that editing and choosing your shot. But I realized once I turned my passion into a career, it all got very serious and it all got slowed down and the bigger it gets, the slower it goes. And that's not kind of why I liked it really. You know, I liked the freedom and the creativity of the smaller stuff. So it's still kind of present in my life, but I had to go down that path to realize that wasn't what I wanted to make my entire career. I mean, it sounds like you made the right move. Are you happy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. love what you do? Yeah. I couldn't be happier now. I've The main two things I've been optimizing for in my life have been purpose, obviously, and freedom. So freedom over my sure. time, freedom from where I work from, and freedom to, to make choices. So launching my own shop, obviously, there's risk, there's ups and downs, but it's enabled me to be able to pull up stumps from the big smoke and move a little bit closer to the beach. I couldn't do that if I had to go into the city every day. So there's been real tangible yeah. effects of this career path. But most importantly, it's actually just given me a huge purpose. Like I enjoy working with my clients. I've got some people I really respect and want to see succeed on a deep level. And that makes work fun. Yeah. What is it exactly? When you say your clients are succeeding, what are we talking about? I mean, so one exited last year and that was a fantastic result for everybody. And that was life-changing for them. So I was in there as their virtual CFO through that process. And they kind of got 
tapped on the shoulder and negotiated and, and managed to sell out to a big four consulting firm here in Australia they sold to. That was obviously a big win and that's something I'm kind of starting to do more and more of, the, the exit strategy planning for that. How do we build value into your business before you get that tap on the shoulder? What are the things we can do to reverse engineer a multiple? So sure. through that through that process, it really sparked a whole new pathway of what I'm helping people do. But the core offering, the core service offering, when I launched this in January 2020, was the virtual CFO services, which was helping people understand their numbers, where are you going, let's get you more profitable, let's help you grow, let's map out that and actually help you hit these goals. So that's always been a big part of it, specifically for agencies, but also a bunch of e-commerce uh, businesses as well. So I, I still do a bit of stuff for B-Ninjas and they're e-com focused. So they're, okay, that's, yeah, what, that's still in my yeah, world as well. I forgot to ask you, when you were with B-Ninjas, what was that about? What's their offering? So their offering to market was recurring bookkeeping and they were doing recurring bookkeeping for online businesses. And that then began as every online business that came in the door, but then they've since narrowed their focus into the e-commerce world in recent years. And it's led by Wayne Richard, fantastic CEO, and then Meryl, who also founded the business. Amazing. We've got quite a story, Michael. At any point, and I know in your story there, I noticed you moved continents a couple of times. What's that about? What, what brought you to London, was it? Yeah. Was in the UK? And then back to Sydney? Yeah, yeah. I've lived in Amsterdam in Holland for six months at uni. And then I did yeah, seven months traveling in South America. And then I moved to London for a couple of years. And then I just love traveling. I just love like yeah, you love I just love meeting new people, new experiences, especially in my 20s. I, yeah, it was a huge part of my own yeah. development. I did a lot of these trips on my own. So it was huge for working out who I am, learning to meet yeah, people, of- putting myself into uncomfortable positions. Do you know what? When I went backpacking to South America, I was like, oh, I'll find out what I really want to do whilst traveling. And it never happens like that. Like, no, <laughs> the career path did not get any clearer, but I had, yeah. the time, I had the time in my life and I grew up in a whole bunch of other personal ways. But like, I never had an aha moment on the trails to Machu Picchu about my meaning in life. That, that didn't well, really work. It didn't work out for me. I think you've just got to be in the trenches trying things until something falls. It clearly didn't have enough ayahuasca. Is what <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Kidding, don't no. Um, <laughs> did you have, I, I mean, at some point you had to have had like major struggles. Can you speak about struggles for me? Yeah. Like career-wise, you trying, trying to find that path? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess since you have opened Trimline in 2020, were you ever at a point where you're like, ah, it's just, this just isn't working? Or did you ever have any major road bumps, major hiccups? Yeah. Yeah. I think the timing of when I launched Trimline couldn't have been better or worse, depending on how you looked at it. I launched, it, yeah. I, I launched it in January of 2020. In March of 2020, the whole world shut down and everyone went into full panic mode and thought we were going to fall off a cliff. So that was a really interesting time to be trying to have sales conversations with people to try and to finding that product market fit, all of those kind of things. So I was... Oh kind of, yeah, the first, it was hard to get first, people to spend money back then. <laughs> oh, it's impossible. It's possible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so Sorry the, to keep interrupting. For the first six months, it was just knocking on a lot of doors and having them kind of politely closed in my face and just sure. having to keep going, having to keep going, having to keep iterating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I launched, I launched as a profit first professional. So I was trying to help people implement profit first in their business. I don't know if you've heard of that system, but it's based on a book and 
basically it's a cash management strategy where you open up a bunch of different bank accounts and help people have enough money set aside for their taxes, for their profit at the end of the year, all those kind of things. Oh, and, cool. I wish yeah. I could use that system when I was running my own job. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, one it's, of the first books I ever read was Built to Sell. It's one uh, of the very first business books I ever read. It's um, a great book. Love yeah, it. Yeah, and I tried to take a lot of that to heart. I'm a, yeah, I'm assuming you're a huge fan of that book. I've got it on my shelf behind me. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 love, I, love, I love it. Yeah. And I recommend it. I recommend it to people as well. What else though? That was a struggle. I launched with just a little bit of startup capital and was paying myself literally enough to survive just to break even. And just to pay that was, I had about six months runway until that was going to be set up shop and go back and get a job. And getting to the end of that, yeah. I landed my first real substantial chunky client. And that gave me a huge shot on the arm, gave me a huge amount of confidence. Mm-hmm. And from there, I was off to the races because I, I've been an accountant for 20 years on and off. I'm a chartered accountant. I know financial accounts. I know how to, what a business is doing, all that kind of stuff I knew, the technical yeah. stuff I knew. The sales and marketing, pricing and packaging, all of that stuff was new. I never had to go out and tell people to sell them and get them to commit and collect sure. money. So sure. there was a huge amount of growth in that area for me who had always been busy working, but not actually wearing the other hats of the business. So that was a big struggle and growth period for me, those early days, for sure. Yeah, I can relate very, very much so. It was like, oh my God, I have to, like, I just got a web design degree. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, (laughs) I'm supposed to be balancing the books and like, at the end of the month, I have to do what? And I have to, like, we have to set money aside for taxes. And like, it was just completely, I was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. But I got into the groove of it. And luckily, I had a fantastic partner with me for my first business that kind of helped me through some of it. That's fantastic. Um, books. Build to Sell, you love. What else? Give me a couple more. I People should be reading. So this isn't necessarily straight business, but I love Derek Sivers. I'm not sure if you've heard of him before. Business, life, you name it. Yeah. So Derek Sivers is one of my favorite authors. He's an American guy. He lives now in New Zealand, funnily enough. And he's got a bunch of really good books. Hell Yeah or No, Anything You Want, Your Music and Your People. They're all really short, succinct, but every word he's thought about. You know, He's cut all the fat and I really love his writing. And he's got a really unique perspective on life. So Derek Sivers will be one I'd highly recommend. Derek Sivers. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. In the more businessy books, ones that I regularly recommend, there's one by Greg Crabtree called Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, which is fantastic for the core basics of what founders need to know and understand when launching a business. So that's another one that I really think people should read. There's another one called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, I think his surname is. Freeman Housel, yeah. Yeah, H-O-U-S-E-L. That is a fantastic book that uncovers how we think where we make rational decisions with our money, but actually they're all emotional and we just kind of paint over the top. We that it was a ra- really that, do. That it was a rational decision in hindsight. Yeah. And that's a little bit more kind of in the personal finance world, the psychology of money, but it is fascinating and it really hits home how unpredictable things can be. So that's another one I I'd bet, highly recommend. Yeah. And not just for business, I bet that would help with your personal life as well. You know, exactly. I feel like just having a different perspective or a more realistic perspective on money. Like I 100% make emotional decisions when it comes to money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some people need more like savings just to feel secure. Others don't. Some people have a higher risk tolerance. So, and what I've learned over four years now, consulting and advisory for agencies and e-com sellers is that 
business and personal are so closely interconnected. Like I do the business side of things, but I see the personal side of things pop up so much in my engagements because the business is feeding the personal in terms of what their goals are, what they want to yes. get out of life. Yes. So they're so interconnected. Yes, that's what I always would. So I would sell people time. I would sell people their time back. Like get more time with your family, get more time playing ball with your kids, whatever the case may be. Or if you're a single guy, get more time traveling around the world, whatever. But yeah, that was a big eye opener in my sales career was like, you're not really selling yourself like all the movies say you do. You're not really selling the product that you think you're kind of selling emotions. And I, Sorry, we kind of gotten down this little tangent here, but I do like the sound of that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. the yeah. fact that this is tool time, so I want to let you speak about your company. How do you, how does Trimline, and I'd like to hear about your team as well, but we'll get into that in a little bit. How do you help agency owners and SaaS? Oh, e-com sellers as well. Yeah, yeah. E-com. So one product-based business and one service-based business. Those are the two yeah. kind of niches that we help. How do I help them? That's a very good question. There's a few different ways. And I really resonated with the emotion thing you just mentioned because I think a lot of what I'm selling is peace of mind, security, stability, um, mm-hmm. clarity over the future, things like that, which is it's been a constant challenge for me to try and eloquate that in my value proposition and when I'm on sales calls because it's really hard to show tangible examples of that because it's such a, you know, it's, it's yeah, an it's emotional a thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where most people in my game would be like, we're going to get you high profits, more cash, double your business, those kind of things. Those are the promises a lot of advisors would probably try and sell in, sure. in that world. Yeah, you're not really getting to the root of it though, are you? No, no. And a lot of people are just selling hot air because unless the founder takes action, and I've had these experiences with previous engagement, unless the founder is willing to take the action needed, it doesn't happen. So I can't guarantee some of those things unless everyone is aligned and where we're actually actioning the recommendations. So it, Were it's you a, holding them accountable then? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But some people possibly are afraid to make big decisions, especially, for example, common one, staffing. If you've got an emotional attachment, but the staffing mix is not right, but you've got loyalty, maybe your wage bill is too high and we do need to make changes there in order to stay profitable. Things like that are really hard decisions to make. I fully understand that. So it's it's easy for the virtual CFO or advisor to come in and say, hey, we're out of, we're out of balance here. But to actually take that action is another thing. Yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, I could relate to that as well. <laughs> we yeah. had in 2020, end of 2020, beginning of 2021, we were like a 12-person business and now we're like 65 people. But those 12 people were so attached and like so ingrained in the business or maybe it was 14 or 16 people. But anyway, that like core group, like it felt like no matter what, these people aren't going anywhere. But it turns out a lot of them were not meant to be with us for more than a couple of years or like they sort of grew out of their position or like we just ended up elevating them just because they've been here the longest. I can really relate to that. And letting those people go is really, really hard, but really also necessary. Yeah. Two things came to mind when you told that story, which is what got you here won't get you there. And what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. The, the people that got you to that point that you're grateful for, which is why you have that loyalty but will they get you to that next stage of growth? And that, mm-hmm. that means the really tough thing. And I heard from a fellow entrepreneur a month back, a really nice way of talking about firing people. He says, we just release them back into the market so they can find a job that's better suited. And I, yeah. I was like, that is a really nice way of looking at it. You know, it's that's not actually so- a good fit for both sides. 
you guys go find something where you're going to be happier and we'll try and find someone who's a better fit. Yeah, exactly. That's how I tried to rationalize to myself, at least. It was like, yeah. I'm hopefully they are going to be happier when they find a better fit company. And exactly. we are definitely going to be happier when we stop paying them. So <laughs> it's a win-win, really. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interject once again. I'm sort of a yeah. conversationalist. That's fine, man. But, uh, no problem. Yeah. So your process, though, how does it begin? Like, what would we... Let's say our agency wanted to partner up with you or get in, in cahoots. Would you run us through like an audit process or what are we going to do? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the standard process will be obviously working out it's a good fit for both parties, working out if, if it's a good personal fit and if you guys have mm-hmm. the budget and can I help you, you know? So there's the initial sales calls and then if it is, we start the onboarding process. Through that, there's a bunch of things that we do to understand where you're at right now. And that's probably the core thing of where we start. Where are you at right now? With, with zero changes made, what's the state of play? And mm-hmm. then from there, we work out where you want to go. Just unpack that. Unpack what the goals are, what your current pain points are. Most people that come through the door and are motivated to engage someone like me, they already have a couple of pain points. Maybe they've come close to running out of cash. Maybe they're just stuck at a certain stage of growth. Maybe they don't know what they don't know and they know they're missing something. So we Mm -hmm. unpack what those immediate needs are as well. And I try and hit them first, the burning problems. Yeah. So when you said, where are you at and where you want to be? Immediately, I thought of, I would like to build a company that I can sell and I can make a good amount of money on. What if people think that they want to do that, but they really don't? Like they don't have a very clear picture in their head of where they want to go. Like in my situation, I just mentioned where I was like, very clearly, I just want to build this company so that I can sell it. If they're not in that sort of headspace and they're more of like, I'd like to make more money or like, do you help them decide what their goals should be? Yeah, you'd be surprised the similarity in most founders' goals. So building to exit is one big one. And that's why that's something that the exit strategist stuff is something that I'm interested in and and help people Mm -hmm. with. But the other really common ones, I want to build myself out and stop working so hard in my own business. And that's kind of the same goal as building to exit, which is building the founder out of the day-to-day. So although they may not want to exit, they just don't want to work as hard and they want to have a team around them that helps them. So that's a really common one. Yeah, yeah. four hours a week, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then the other really common one is is higher profits, more cash and help fund other areas of their life. And why is my business not profitable? What's going on? And those kind of things. So there's a lot of stress and anxiety involved in all of those challenges. And that's a lot of what I try and address. Yeah. And are you familiar with Marcel Petipoff? Yes, 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 yes. He's yeah. fantastic. He's a He's very great. intelligent, very intelligent very, individual. Yeah, super smart guy. I had him on the show the other day and he had the a very similar thing to say, but interesting parallels between the two companies. What would you say, and I ask this to everyone, like what would you say makes Trimline unique? If I'm a prospect of yours, why should I go with Trimline? Yeah, very good question. At the moment, I think it's my greatest strength and my greatest weakness, which is you actually buy what you see on the tin. I lead the engagements and it's, we're a boutique shop. So you get the person on the front of the poster and mm. it's, it's a partnership. off to some... Exactly, exactly. And it's a partnership. So we, I work in side by side with founders to try and help them get where they need to go. 
And we have our own frameworks and systems to help people get those results and benchmark where you're at and address those common problems that we, we see again and again in agencies. But I think the main reason people stay with us for the long term is that they're getting momentum towards their goals and that they can see they're learning about their business each, each month. They're, they're understanding deeper and deeper. My methodology is to empower the founder to understand their own business better and build myself out of having to explain these things so we can just have the higher level strategic conversations because that's really what I love. I love where are we going? What levers can we pull? What are the next pieces on the chessboard we're going to put down rather than the nuts and bolts of here's how to look at your P&L, here's how to understand these things. Mm-hmm. Hey, you should also be looking at your balance sheet, all those kind of things. That's the core of, of the educational piece. And some people, if they don't know that, that's where we start. But it's more the higher level strategic stuff that I love. My God, Michael, that was a great answer. Very well done. Um, (laughs) That was definitely not even rehearsed. That was right off the top of your head. I love that. It sounds like you've got a really good grip on what you're doing. Uh, Four years, not a super long time, but definitely long enough for you to iron out a lot of kinks and get a really good process under your belt. I really like what I hear. It sounds like you have a really good business. And I think people will be lucky to work with you. And you're also just a swell fella. So you got that going for you. Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Yeah. We are coming up on time though here. I think that's going to do it for us today. I have been your host, Ryan McGovern. Thank you so much to our guest, Michael, for being here. And thank you all so much for tuning in to the Niche Agency Podcast. If you're an agency owner yourself, trying to niche and scale your business, I would love to speak to you. You can email me, ryan at seobrothers.co, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Ryan McGovern. I think it's the second result, the big goofy guy in the photo. And if you heard anything from Michael that resonated with you, maybe Trimline might be a good fit for you. You want to have a demo call or a good fit call with Michael. Michael, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, they can email me at michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at trimline.co, C-O. And all, again, LinkedIn. I post regular weekly videos on LinkedIn. So Michael Walk, W-A-R-K on there. They can add me there as well. Wonderful. Yeah, do go follow Michael on LinkedIn. I've been following you for a few months now and you've got some great posts. So lots of good insight there. But that's going to do it for us today. Thanks again, Michael. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Bye.